Welcome back to these hallowed halls of multifamily academia here, the Apartment Academy, your institution for higher NOI. I'm your host, the Dean of the Apartment Academy, Daniel Cunningham, and we wanted to let you know that the Apartment Academy podcast is the multifamily's only operations-focused podcast, which features insights from industry leaders, investors, vendors, and technology providers. So if you invest in multifamily real estate or you're involved in the day-to-day operations of multifamily buildings, we are your source for efficient operations and maximizing ROI. Today's uh, professor of multifamily academia is Joseph Nagel. He's an advisor with Orange Charger, and Orange Charger is a company providing uh, EV chargers to multifamily communities. It is a, a topic that's certainly timely. A lot of you are probably thinking about this, and uh, and Joseph has uh, has given us today some great points uh, to think about. So I know you'll learn something here. Here he comes. Hello, Professor Nagel. Welcome to the Apartment Academy. Good to see you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So this is a really timely subject. I think um, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and, and talk to our uh, to our our students here at the academy about what's happening in the world of EV charging. Um, and maybe maybe we start there a little bit. Well, first of all, before before we go there, tell us a little bit about uh, Orange um, and uh, and and your mission, what you guys do. Absolutely. So Orange Charger uh, is a electric vehicle charging solution that is specifically designed for multi-unit properties like apartments and condominiums. And what we're really trying to do is replicate the experience that a single family homeowner would have in purchasing a uh, electric vehicle charging station by driving those costs as low as possible uh, to really ensure the adoption of EVs really can take off. And we do that by ensuring that every person has their own dedicated charging station. Got it. And and why I, there's a there's recently, in fact, there have been a couple of big announcements, especially here in California. But talk to talk to us a little bit about why is this becoming more important? What's happening in the industry right now that is likely to drive interest in EV charging? Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of things you touched on a, on one of the big ones in California. Uh, by 2035, all new vehicle sales will be electric. So they are banning the sale of new gas vehicles after 2035. Um, and so that's going to rapidly accelerate the adoption of electric vehicles across the country. There's currently, I believe, 11 states that already, uh, in theory, do follow California's uh, air, air quality board, which is one of the, the markers for this. Uh, and then beyond that, we also saw the Inflation Reduction Act pass, uh, which has a lot of incentives for electric vehicles and electric vehicle charging stations. Uh, so those two things combined are really going to accelerate this industry. Uh, there's uh, some estimates that EVs will make up around 50% of all vehicles on the road by 2035. Uh, I personally feel that might be a little aggressive, but it's still going to be millions and millions of these vehicles are going to show up on the road. Uh, very, very soon. And if you own an apartment or a condo and you really need to be thinking about, all right, what solutions can I provide to attract new tenants? What about today, Joseph? If, if Do you have an estimate, like if, if I installed chargers at, at, at my facility today, um, what percent of the, my, of my uh, residents can I expect to utilize those? Is there any feel for that? It depends on where you are in the country. In California, we typically see around a 9 to 10% uptick uh, of electric vehicles in those types of communities. However, that's really largely predicated on the fact that 
uh, EV charging stations uh, aren't prevalent in apartments today. So there's also a little bit of constraint. People who don't have access to charging might not want to go and live in an apartment because they want that access to know that their vehicle is always going to get the power to get them to work or wherever. Uh, so that, that is also potentially a problem there. So Joseph, given that there's a clear trend in the industry, why isn't this uh, a no-brainer? Why isn't this an easy decision to make and, and, uh, and install these chargers tomorrow? Well, I mean, that's the you know, million-dollar question right there. But really what we're looking at is, number one, most parking scenarios, whether it be a garage or an outdoor parking slot or even street parking, they were never designed to power really anything, especially something as large as a vehicle. So there's just really not a lot of power in a lot of those situations. So access to power, number one, is, is the, the most important thing. Uh, but the other thing is that there's actually a really delicate balancing act that has to happen in these apartment communities. The EV driver themselves wants just simply put a reliable access to affordable charging. The apartment community as a whole wants to ensure that everyone in that community has equal access to that amenity. And then the building owner and the person who ends up paying for a lot of these charging stations wants to at least figure out a way to get a return on their investment or at least some money back. Either that be through higher rents or you know, passively making some money on these charging stations by charging a per hour charger or, or per kilowatt. Uh, so those are the things that are kind of holding uh, a lot of uh, these buildings back from adopting more electric vehicle charging stations is because it isn't so straightforward and it is a large capital expenditure for the building owner to, sh to lay out if they don't actively know whether or not they're going to see that money back. So let's let's address those points one at a time. Let's start with um, equal access. What does that mean? Is that is that is that a supply challenge, like getting enough chargers installed? Yeah. Yeah, it, it absolutely is a supply issue. Uh, you do want to make sure that you have enough chargers that every single person who owns an electric vehicle has access to that station whenever they want. And that typically means that those people are going to need one-to-one -one charging, meaning one car to one charger. What we've seen in the past is that uh, people will install a single station for the community to share. But unfortunately, even in the best scenario, one of the fastest charging circumstances, you're not going to be able to service that many vehicles because most people come home around the same time. Uh, and so having people share ends up causing a lot more problems than it solves because eventually you're going to run into a scenario in which somebody needs to charge their vehicle, somebody's blocking off the charging station, they forget to move or something happens and it's just still sitting there and then now you've got a big problem and tenants are fighting with each other over access to that station. So it's best in general to give every single person that needs a charging station access to one, which means one-to-one -one charging. Wow. I mean, I, my estimates in, in my head for how, the kind of expense that, that we're talking about in, in deploying EV chargers just went through the roof. I mean, one-to-one -one sounds like a lot. It absolutely is. And if you think of it as, I'm going to have to do this all at once, uh, then yeah, you're, you're going to see an astronomical number. The reality is that you're not going to have to do this for the next 15 to 20 years. You'll have plenty of time to sort of build out what exactly you need to upgrade that facility to make sure that every or at least half are getting the stations that they need. Uh, and, and really when you work with like a company like Orange or, or others, they'll help you build out 
a upgrade plan for your building. Uh, and what they should be doing is giving you enough options to cover your needs today and into the, you know, the very near future, and then giving you an upgrade plan on like, hey, these are the, the expenses that you can expect to have going forward. Um, and then again, if you get with a charging provider that can actually offer you that ROI that you've been looking for, it's not actually, you know, oh my gosh, it's this million dollar investment, I'm gonna lose all the money. It's actually like, I've made this investment and I'm gonna earn that money back and then eventually it's gonna turn into a revenue stream. So I have a couple broad questions. One is, uh, are all chargers created, are all charges created the same? The second one is, are all service providers uh, created the same? Let's talk about the chargers for a moment. Um, can I go to a catalog and, you know, thumb through and pick a charger? Is it is it that easy? Is there is there black magic to picking the right charger? I mean, in some ways you could, you could just go through a catalog and pick a charger out. I wouldn't recommend it in these situations. I mean, typically what that's reserved for is a single family home. When I have a dedicated circuit, I'll just pick one of these charging stations that doesn't really need to have any intelligence behind it. Uh, so there is a difference in just that aspect. Number two is that there are different levels of chargers. There's level one, two, and three. Three is something that is a DC fast station that's never gonna be put into an apartment scenario, so you can throw that out. So levels one and two, level one is a lower powered charging station uh, that can probably provide between 40 and 60 miles of range per night. Honestly, that's more than enough uh, for people's daily driving needs. Level two can get you probably upwards of 300 miles over a night of charging. Uh, and then there's some solutions that exist somewhere in the middle between you know 120 and 150. Orange sells a 620 outlet that actually can do kind of the half and half there. The other difference is you have a difference between a plug on a wall and an actual full charging station. The plug will use the mobile adapter that came with the vehicle to charge and the full scale charger actually has the octopus coming out of the station that they then plug in. Uh, and then beyond all of that, what apartment owners should be looking at is the intelligence that's there as well. Uh, because what you really do want to avoid is not being able to accurately track the electricity that's been used per uh, person who's used that charging station. So if you're just putting a dumb charger on a wall and letting people charge, the, comp the building is actually going to lose a lot of money on just electricity costs because that's all just going to go passed through and you have no idea who used what and how much to actually charge them for the power that they used. So those are the things that you should really keep top of mind if you're going to be putting electric vehicle charging stations into your facilities. Um, well, let's come back to the tracking here in a moment because I feel like that's really important. But if if um, if I'm given this choice between a level one and I can put, you know, I don't know, you, you said 30 to 40 miles on my car in drivable distance in one evening versus like a DC fast charger. I happen to have a Tesla and, you know, uh, if I go to DC fast charger, I can get 300 miles in about, I don't know, two hours, right? If, if I, my capacity is limited, should I be thinking, well, it's better to have three or four of these DC fast chargers than 20 slow chargers that'll be occupied all night? I mean, I think on the surface, it seems like that's the simple solution, but when you start to dig into it, it becomes wildly uh, outrageously expensive. Like there's no way you'll ever recoup the cost. One station alone is gonna cost you $100,000. Level three station. Yeah, level three station is gonna be $100,000. And on top of that, you're gonna have to get a bunch of permitting. The installs are gonna you know, cost you a lot more on top of that. It's gonna be expensive. Uh, and you're probably never gonna realize any kind of revenue back on those stations. And those stations can really only realistically, you know, if they came in back to back to back to back all day long, 
you're looking at you know between 20 and 30 people using that one station that's unrealistic though because people will all come back typically around the same hour so you're looking at like 3 to 7 p.m is your window you can only fit in maybe two three four at the best vehicles in that window and then you know everybody else is now fighting over you know the times around it it's just really not a great solution and and that's typically why you know we run into issues because people are like, well, I'll just wait for these DC fast stations. And reality is, is that it's just not going to be a practical solution. On top of that, the electricity, the, the same electricity that you're getting is going to be three times more expensive from an EV driver perspective. And that's why that balancing act comes back into play because the EV driver themselves wants to ensure that they get affordable access to vehicle charging. And when it's $45 or sorry, 45 cents a kilowatt hour on a supercharger station, and it's 15 cents a kilowatt hour if you were to plug in at home, you're starting to make sense in your head, like, wow, that's three times more expensive. I really don't want to use that as my everyday solution. I'm going to be losing money hand over fist in this, this uh, exchange. Why is the, kil the charge per kilowatt hour more for DC? Are you trying to amortize the cost of that station over the same amount of time? That's exactly right. That's just a way for the operator to make back the investment that they made. Less power, more stations, better. That that makes sense to me. Um, let's talk about the tracking part. Um, so if if I'm if I'm uh, picking, well, am I picking a charger and then finding a, a provider? Am I picking a provider who's going to you know bring the chargers? Well, how is that working? And how do I make that decision? You could do either one. I would you know to save time, energy, and headaches, and all sorts of things. It, better to just pick a holistic solution, someone who actually can provide you end-to-end -end support from purchasing the charger to install, to ensuring that those billing and reimbursements happen, and then any sort of maintenance and support that you might need. You'd probably want that as a, a property manager or a property owner to just have an all-in-one, this is the person that I call to get all of these things done. Uh, and, and those become really important, you know, as time goes on so that you're not having, oh, I bought the station from this person, but then this person's the service provider, but oh yeah, there's also the support person as well. And you're having to like run around to different places. It's not really a great user experience. So what, uh, what defines a good service provider? What does one look for in choosing a service provider? Absolutely. Number one, you want to look for someone who's going to give you some options in terms of the charging stations available to you. Um, you don't want to say be pigeonholed into this is the only station that you can have. Number two, you definitely want to look for somebody who go, is going to provide you the back-end billing services that you need. Um, something that can at least link into your buildings if you have a, a system, link into that uh, back-end system or provide you one so that you can actually monitor uh, the electricity that's being used and you can monitor the reimbursements that should be coming your way at the end of the month so that you know hey all this electricity that's been used down there is actually going to come back to me at the end of the month anyway and you have high level visibility into that and then the, the last bit is always get into something that has some sort of ongoing support uh, and service so that if there were, were some event you know things happen you know someone might break a cable or run over something and it breaks you want to be able to you know, have access to somebody who's going to be able to get you a replacement as fast as possible. Uh, because what you're talking about is someone who's now reliant on that station in that space as their main fuel source. So they're only going to be able to go maybe two, three, four, five days before they then have to start leveraging public infrastructure. And then it starts to get more and more of a hassle for them. Okay. You're saying a lot of really interesting things that I want to come back to. Uh, let's start with 
um, the integration of billing charges. So are, are these billing systems tied into and integrated with the major property management system platforms? Are they creating resident charges on those ledgers? If you're working with a good company, the, the answer is absolutely yes. Uh, they will provide you with APIs that can link into your backend system so that you're able to actually just pull that into the whatever management software you're already using. Okay, so the, the, the providers typically have APIs, but there are not hard integrations typically already built into, you know, Yardi, RealPage, MRI, etc. It depends on the provider. There are some, uh, you know, systems that are hardwired in uh, that you could find. Is there is there a resident facing app that's associated with with these with some of these charging or all of these charging? How how advanced is that technology? So they can see like like bomb again. I go back to my Tesla. I can see my Tesla's charging at three hundred miles. How does how is what's that experience like for the residents right now? Right. So like at Orange, we, ha we provide a, a, an app that they can see, you know, number one, how they initiate the charge session is, you know, they scan a QR code to, to actually start a charging session. Uh, and then they can see on their phone exactly how much power is being used, what their expected bill is like. They can even pay their bill through their app if they wanted to. And all these other uh, charging providers should also have something of that level so that you're, as a customer, are getting that high level visibility so that you know what that bill is going to come back to you each month, as well as for the building to also see what they can expect in reimbursements. And uh, you mentioned uh, you were talking about serviceability, things happen. Are these, um, are these fragile devices? Do they, like people drive away and they pull the plug off a lot? Is, is, are they, they get driven over and they break? Like, do we need to be concerned as operators about an increased level of maintenance fees associated with these chargers? I think the answer is yes, and that's actually why Orange made our charging station a simple plug on a wall. And it's designed to take a lot of punishment, uh, even though it probably won't get you know hit that hard. Um, but when you add in a, a cable on top of that and something that's plugged into a vehicle, it's not going to drive away with it. Uh, the cars are designed to not move when there's a plug engaged, but someone might miss putting it up on a hook and it's fallen on the, on the ground and someone drives over and smashes it. Uh, there are things that do happen, or someone could just be not paying attention, they back up into the charging station and it cracks the casing. Um, and then you'd have to replace that because you're now not UL certified. So there are things that do happen to these stations. And so, you know, speaking for Orange only, like we made sure to ensure that all of our charging stations are highly engineered to take a lot of punishment and are simplistic as possible to keep the maintenance low. And is, is, is some level of maintenance included? Yes, definitely. Uh, and most companies will provide you some level of maintenance and support, uh, but it does depend on you know what kind of package you involve yourself in. So there are companies that, hey, you know, you only paid for twenty four months, and after the twenty fifth month, if you run over that cable, you know, that's on you. Let's talk a little bit about um, you know cost of these systems and what we need to budget for this, and and what kind of ROI is is reasonable. So walk us through what the economics of this decision looks like. Absolutely. I mean, and it really depends on the company that you're going to end up choosing, right? It's like Orange is designed uh, to be the lowest cost possible. So when we're installing on a retrofit station, it's it's more or less, you know, a thousand to two thousand, more like a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars all in per charging station. Uh, that's with the charger and the install. Uh, you know, you can go up with a, a standard level two station that those typically run three to five thousand dollars all in for the install. In terms of the ROI that you're going to see back, 
on a, a typical standard uh, level two station, I'll go out on a limb and I'll tell you, you're probably never going to see that money back. Um, it's probably a payback period of around 30 years um, just because the install costs are so high. Uh, with Orange, we actually have a built-in model uh, and we actively try to ensure that there's a payback period of five years or less. In some cases, it's a little bit more, but it's always under 10 years for sure. Um, and then we want to ensure that there's at least 150% ROI on those stations over 10 years. All right, so you really know, so no return on cost until it, it takes five years or more, um, depending on what provider you're using to recoup the cost of these. So, yeah, before you hit that break-even point, and then it all really depends on utilization as well. You know, if you're util if you're building something in you know a place that has low EV penetration and the utilization rate's low, it's going to take you a little longer to actually recoup those costs too. How about new construction, uh, Joseph? Is is it is this something that in new construction people would come to Orange to have something built in right away, and that and there's a different configuration that maybe has a it's easier to do and a faster uh, payback period. It's one hundred percent easier to do, and it's much much faster uh, because number one, the costs are significantly decreased. Uh, so for you know that thousand to fifteen hundred, it's like five hundred bucks uh, for us to install in a in a new construction. Um, not, not to mention the fact that you can kind of configure the layout to predict that future demand. So instead of having to then retrofit for future demand, you can say, all right, well, we're going to put in 50, you know, make readies and only put in 10 for now. And then as we see the adoption rate grow, we can add in 10 more and it's, you know, almost no maintenance or install costs there. Uh, and then in terms of the ROI, because your upfront costs are lower, that payback period is, is significantly decreased. You know, if you're talking in terms of these timetables is probably well under five years, I mean, two, three, four years at best. Got it. Um, and uh, is there, is there right now, are there, if I wanted to install these right away, is there, are there supply chain issues? Are these things readily available? How long, what's the time frame from when you say, pull the trigger, let's do this to installed and working devices? Yeah, so with Orange, like, you know, we actually anticipated a lot of these, uh, supply chain constraints. Uh, and so we actually overpurchased a lot of our supplies. So now we actually have plenty of stations that go out into the market. It's gonna vary, uh, you know, company to company. Uh, but I would say at this point, most providers are getting closer to being normalized. There might be some, you know, two, three, four week delays, uh, but that's a significant decrease between the two, three, four month delays that we were seeing. So only you only mentioned permitting requirements in, in conjunction with the level three charges. So level one, level two, I can install as many of those at my property as I want. Not a, not a problem. No, <laughs> uh, just like any other, you know, electricity device, you know, especially like when you're talking a level two station is 40 amps. It's not insignificant amount of power. Uh, so you do need to get permitting. Uh, and because, you know, the higher the power of the station, the, the more that's going to cost in some cases. Um, but you know, again, a, a good provider will help you with all of those issues and you won't have to really deal with it as an owner. Interesting. Okay. Um, what else, what else haven't we talked about as, as somebody who doesn't know a lot about this subject? Is there any, any important question here that I haven't asked that it's important for, for the listeners to know about? 
No, I think we really did cover it. I think the, the biggest thing to understand is really to focus back in on that balancing act. And I think if you know a property manager or a property owner can just really consider that before they jump in with somebody, they'll be a lot better off. Because they, the last thing that you want is to choose the wrong solution for your building. And then what you're on the hook for is, now I have to tear this thing out and put in a totally different solution, which we have actually run into plenty of times. Um, so it's, it's something that most people kind of, oh, I'll just, like you said, I'll pick it out of a catalog, I'll put it in, problem solved, and that ends up causing a lot more issues down the road later. So really to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row before you put these in, it's gonna save you a lot of headache later down the road. Well, Joseph, I know Orange is a newer entrant into the EV world, so we wish you lots of luck. It certainly seems like it's a good time to be doing what you're doing, and, um, and multifamily is, is the place where I think um, you know, EV charging will, will experience the most growth. Um, so it's a, it's a great vertical to be in. So we wish you luck. Thanks for coming on today and, and talking to us. Appreciate it. How, how can people get a hold of you if they want to know, learn more? Absolutely. You can always email me at joseph at orangecharger.com or you can just come to our website, orangecharger.com uh, and, and see what we have. All right. Very good. Thanks again for being with us today, Joseph. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Take care. You as well. Thank you for joining us at this week's episode of the Apartment Academy podcast. The Apartment Academy is a production of Leonardo 24-7, the industry's leader in multifamily operations and maintenance software. At Apartment Academy, we realize the hard work that goes into property management and the stress that comes along with it. Leonardo 24-7 takes the guesswork out of your team's day-to-day -day by providing customized daily guidance on tasks that need to be done, guaranteeing consistent operations across your entire portfolio. To learn more, visit www.leonardo247.com today.